Our sermon this morning is entitled, Making the Mystery Work for You. And it is based on John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we have known that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except that a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said this unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound of thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou master of Israel, and knoweth not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak, but we do not know, and testify to that which we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have life everlasting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believed on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the Holy Begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light came into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, and that may be wrought in God. Heavenly Father, we pray that you, your word was received in our hearts, and that we understand that which you have for us to know this morning. Now, Father, we ask that you would indeed be with me as I expound on your words. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Our sermon this morning is entitled, Making the Mystery Work for You. God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do we fully understand this wonderful doctrine? No, but some of us will fight for it. You may remember the ancient story about Augustine. One day he took a break from writing about the Trinity to take a walk along the seashore. There he came across a child with a little pail, intently scooping up a pail full of water out of the ocean and walking up the beach and dumping it out on the sand and then turning and going back to scoop another pail of water and pour it into the sand. Augustine asked the child what he was doing and the child explained that he was emptying the sea into the sand. When the bishop tried gently to point out the absurd impossibility of this task, the child replied, Ah, but I'll drain the sea before you'll understand the Trinity. Okay, so maybe the child didn't say exactly that. But there is a truth to that comment. We don't understand the Trinity, but we're ready to go to war to defend it. Well, maybe not anymore. But there was a time when battles were fought over the church doctrine. And even today, churches are being split over whose interpretation of the word is correct. And that is tragic. Who is this God anyway? There's a story about an inquisitive three-year-old who was trying to get to the bottom of the mysteries of life. Mommy would ask, who made the stove? And his mom would respond back, people made the stove. Not to be outsmarted, he would ask, who made the people? And his mother would respond, God made the people. This would go on with just about everything. Daddy, who made the TV? People made the TV, his father would reply. Well, who made the people? God made the people. And so it went for weeks on end with this interrogation by the three-year-old. Finally, on the way to the family reunion, as they were entering the, air the airport, the young boy exclaimed, Mommy, Daddy, come quick. Look at the airplane. I see windows and doors and wheels and wings. Who made all those things? And for the millionth time, the exasperated parents replied, people made all those things. There was a short silence, and I suppose God made the people, right? He says, that's right, said his mother. But the conversation was not finished. The little boy then asked, Mom, just who is this God anyway? That's the question before us this morning. Who is this God anyway? Mystery is at the heart of the universe. Why am I here? Why are you here? Have I spent over 40 years in the Christian ministry? Why am I husband of a parent and a godfather and a grandfather of four? Why are you who you are? Why have you spent your life or why are you planning to spend your lives pursuing a certain career? There are times when it comes so natural to ask why in an effort to explore the deeper resources of our inner selves. When I watch the Memorial Day parades, celebrating those who have given their lives for our freedom, 
I can't help asking why. Why can't we find a solution to war? On those occasions when I feel down or I feel distressed by the turmoil of the world, I ask, why? Why? The late Cardinal Cushing tells of an occasion when he was administering last rites to a man who had collapsed in a general store. Following his usual custom, he knelt down and asked the man, do you believe in God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? The Cardinal said the man roused a little, opened an eye, and looked at him and said, here I am dying, and you ask me a riddle. Call them riddles, call them mysteries, these are the things about life and faith we do not understand. I'm not going to suggest that you resign your efforts to understand it. Oh no, the search is on, but I am suggesting that you add a plus to your search when you acknowledge the mysteries, claim them, and let them work for you. I have four basic words, all beginning with S which will make four rules of the thumb, four rules of thumb to deal with the riddles of the mystery of life. The words are start, strive, sacrifice, and space. Start where you are. You can't go back and start over. If you are young and ambitious, you probably can't start where mom and dad are now. Strive with all your might, give it all you got. Be prepared for sacrifice. You have to select the essentials and the non-essentials. And then make space for Jesus Christ. Rule one, start where you are. You must be born from above, said Jesus. Birth implies starting a new beginning, a birth moves one from a protected world to a vulnerable world. Several years ago in a church where I served, a couple, I'll call them Tom and Lee, fostered a little boy who had been reared in an abusive environment. Tom and Lee had four older children, three sons and a daughter. They were a perfect couple for this endeavor. They were happy, relaxed, friendly, committed to God and church, and stable in lifestyle and marriage. They were a great couple. The little boy they adopted was Joe. During Joe's first four years in the world, his life had been saturated with the destructive forces of hatred, rejection, fear, and hostility. He had learned all the games to survive in that abusive environment. I'm not exaggerating when I say Tom and Lee had a devilish child in their hands. The people in the church admired them for their enthusiasm and ability to take on this additional parenting role. By careful use of time and stretching their patience beyond imaginable limits and refilling themselves by prayer, they were able to guide little Joe through the maze of a confused past and redirect his emotions. It was a joy for all of us to watch little Joe make the turnaround. And his behavior, facial expression, and ability to relate to others, we could see the gradual change from an angered look to a frown 
and then to a welcoming smile. One day, little Joe whispered a powerful message into my ear that went like this. I used to know how to get angry and mad and fight. Now I'm learning how to say I'm sorry and I love you. Rule two, strive with all your might. Make wise choices and jump into life without reservation. It may be a job, a friendship, a career, an educational pursuit. I thought it was difficult in my early childhood with the cost of study and the programs of work, but I didn't envy any young adult parent today in this world. My family taught me a rule that has always worked, and give it all you got. I gave my part-time employers 100%, and then I continued to give 100% in my own career pursuits. It makes no matter whether you are at your youth, your senior years, or in between. These rules will work for you. Start where you are. Strive with all your might. Stretch every muscle, emotion, and desire within you to discover your maximum potential. You remember Jeb Stewart Magruder, one of the men caught in the Watergate web back in 1958, Jeb Magruder was a senior at Yale. The chaplain at Yale was Reverend William Sloan Coffin. Chaplain Coffin tells that he used to say this to senior, to the senior, whom he had welcomed and was well acquainted. You're a nice guy, Jeb, but not yet a good man. You have lots of charm, but a little inner strength. And if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for nothing. Sixteen years later, Magruder stood before the federal judge, confessed to a felony, and said, I know what I've done, and your honor knows what I've done. Somewhere between my ambition and my ideals, I lost my ethical compass. Stand for something. Strive with all your might. Stretch every muscle and all the emotion and the mental energy you have. Rule three. Learn to make sacrifices. Life isn't easy, and one little decision today will determine where you are down the road. One member of a group of mountain climbers preparing to ascend to the top of Mount Block in the Swiss Alps didn't want to follow the guide's rules. The guide insisted carry only equipment necessary for the climbing, leave all else behind its unnecessary accessories. Then one climber had a brightly colored blanket and some large pieces of cheese, a bottle of wine, and a couple of cameras and several lenses hanging about his neck, and some bars of chocolate. The guide said, I'll tell you what the guide said in a minute. The guide said, never make it with that. You can only take the bare necessities to make the climb. Strong-willed as he is, the man set off with his own in the front of the group to prove that he could do it. The group followed, carrying only bare necessities. Along the way, he began to notice certain things someone had left behind, a brightly colored blanket, some pieces of cheese, a bottle of wine, camera equipment, and some chocolate bars. 
Finally, when they reached the top, the man was there. Wisely, he had jettisoned anything unnecessary along the way. Learn to pack the essentials. You may have to start with a used car or a low-paying job or an apartment instead of a house. And once you get married, you may decide to postpone children for a while. <clears throat> rule four should be rule number one. Make space for Jesus Christ. I love the story of Nicodemus who chose a quiet time late in the evening to meet with Jesus. Many say Nicodemus was a weak soul, therefore he had to sneak, out, sneak around in the dark to meet the Lord. And I see it differently. By keeping it quiet on the outset, he was able to protect his credibility with the high officials. I think on one occasion when the Sanhedrin members began to denounce Jesus as an imposter and Nicodemus challenged that they could not condemn a man until they had heard him. That night, the visit put Nicodemus on the side of truth and right. Think of it this way. Every one of us has a personality type. God has to tailor his ministry to your personality. There's a Peter type, a Thomas type, a Nicodemus type, a Mary type, a Martha type, a Joseph type, an Elizabeth type. Identify your personality type. The better you keep in touch with the real you, the more effective Jesus' ministry can be through you. Make a diary of the differences it makes in your life, the big and little ways, the way you answer the phone when someone dials the wrong number, the way, we drive, the way you drive your car in busy traffic, the way you trim the lawn and tend to the new plants, the way you speak to the cashier at the bank or the shopping line, and the way you write a note to your best friend, the way you rub shoulders with someone that you just as soon not see in church, the way you look at your spouse tonight, and most importantly, the way you commune with God. Let us pray. We thank you, God, for life's mysteries. We thank you for putting us right here in the middle of it as we proclaim it, sing about it, and make inquiries into it. Send us onward with a sense of wonder and reverence for you and your word. And Father, we pray that you would bless each one here and bless the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.